Welcome to Creator Talks. I'm your host, Christopher Calloway. On this episode, my guest is Gary L. McClendon. Who is Gary? Well, we're going to find out about Gary, and we're going to find out about his creation and the book he writes, Chess Masters. Chess Masters is being published by Insane Comics, and that book is available on their website and through Comicology. Now, Gary and I are going to talk about how he came up with those characters, the Chess Masters. We are also going to talk about one of his big influences growing up, Marvel's Avengers, and one of his favorite musical groups, The Temptations. And we're going to talk about a lot more, like how Gary got to where he is and who he has to thank for that. The mission of this show is to interview writers and artists working in the field of comic books so we can learn more about their creations and about them. It's not just a pitch for their book. No, it's about them, their creative process, and how they got to where they are now working in the field of comic books and where they plan to go with their creative energy. But it's more. I'm going to speak to creators about what they like to do on their off time. What do they like to do outside of comic books? Books, movies, music, whatever their passion is outside of comics. We're going to talk about that also because the more you get to know the creator, the better you understand their work and the more appreciation you have for it. The idea is to give you more insight into the human being behind the process of making comic books. This is an art. This is their passion. This is what brings them joy. And we're going to find out why. Because you can't get that depth of understanding only through written articles and following social media. So join me as I talk to Gary McClendon about Chess Masters, here now on Creator Talks. Gary, welcome to Creator Talks. Thank you. So glad to be here. It's good to have you on the show. And uh, the reason why I have you here today is you are the writer and co-creator of a book, Chess Masters. Yes, sir. Actually, I am the creator of the series. Ah, okay. So this was your idea. Yes, sir. Before we get into Chess Masters, would you mind telling me what it was like growing up, your childhood, your interests, and when that connected with comics? All righty. Um, well, let's see. I was born in... New York, March 16th, 1961. We moved to New Jersey in 1968 when I was seven, and I lived there for the majority of my life until um, 2011 when I left Asbury Park, and I moved here to Sumter because my mother's family is here. So I decided I wanted to be near my uh, family. Um, Growing up, I grew up typically like a lot of the kids, in the neighborhood and the kids I went to school with. But um, we decided early on that we became fans of comic books. That's what really did it for me. And I was one of those type of kids in school that I always had my head in the clouds and was dreaming about stories and writing. And uh, so comic books was a big, a huge part of my life, growing up reading Marvel in D.C. But my friends and I, we kind of, gravitated to Marvel. Actually, I had forgotten this. One of my school friends had reminded me that we used to dream about writing our own comic book. We call ourselves writing it and doing the artwork, which, of course, very crude. So by the time Chess Masters came around, I was pretty much embedded with wanting to tell stories. That's how that came about. As a matter of fact, Chess Masters was... Chess Masters wasn't my main story. I was writing another story. And Chess Master was always in the back of my mind. And when I got on Facebook, I noticed there was a lot of people producing their comic books. And I was like, well, let me give this a shot. And the rest is history. Back when you were reading comics, and I think most kids, they either gravitated towards Marvel or DC. I myself, I, I gravitated towards Marvel. That was my first cut. That's the first book that I read was a Marvel comic book. Do you remember what the first book was that you read? Fantastic Four. Ah, okay. All right. Oh, yeah, I remember that like it was yesterday. I went straight from Fantastic Four to The Avengers. Now, that was the book for me because I thought that was so cool. Had Like, you have heroes like Thor had his own book. Iron Man had his own book. Captain America had his own book. But then they could come together as The Avengers. I was kind of captivated by that. So I followed the, the Avengers for years. I'm just curious. Do you remember the first story you read of The Avengers? I'm just wondering where you came in. Let's see. I, I believe it was the the Kree Scroll Wars. Okay. They had when they had kidnapped um, the Scarlet Witch and her brother Quicksilver, 
and the Avengers had to go and rescue them. And it also involved Captain Marvel. So that was the first story I remember reading. And how about the uh, Fantastic Four? Do you remember the first you read on that? That one I don't really remember. I do remember cracking up laughing because the thing and the human torch were going at it. They were always arguing, but I do remember as a kid laughing because I was like, wow, this is this is kind of funny. Because they were definitely going at it. Where did you um, pick up your comic books? Uh, you know, and then when I was a kid, it was uh, the 7-Eleven. That's exactly where we used to get it, 7-Eleven. My dad would take us usually on a treat on a Friday night or a Saturday night. So he packed my brothers and I to the store, and we was all I was always getting the comic books, you know, and that was a treat for us. And that's how I got into the imagination of storytelling and writing from from comic books. Yeah, it was it was fun going to the Seven Elevens because if you were like me, you didn't know when the books were coming out. You would just go and check the rack. There wasn't really like a system. We didn't have diamond previews we didn't know what was coming up there was no internet so you just kind of and sometimes you would find an older issue stuck in there and you may be able to get a couple at a time of like fantastic four avengers it was pretty cool as a matter of fact whenever the new issue would come in they would kind of be um busy in the store but the owners would allow us to open their bundles and allow us to put them on a rack for them oh. just so we just so we can get to the books we wanted and you know i didn't mind doing that you know, we put them all on the rack, and then, you know, we'd buy the book, and that was it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when I was a kid, <laughs> comic books, when I started buying comic books, it was like 20 cents. <laughs> yeah, uh, I started when they were 25 cents. They just turned 25 cents. Yeah, your dollar would go a long way. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> In fact, that's, that's how I spent my allowance, because I was like, oh, wow, I can get four books for a dollar. I said, what a deal. Uh, I can imagine for you opening those books for the store, like opening the packages, must have been like Christmas Day every week. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, definitely. You were a fan of the team books, and you have come up with your own team book, Chess Masters. That's with a hyphen, like Spider-Man, Chess Masters. So tell me, um, you have an imagination. You've had your head in the clouds, as you said, when you were in school. So that's good to have that fertile imagination, always thinking and dreaming of things, and you you definitely had a good foundation for it. When did you first come up with the idea of Chess Masters and trying to put that together as a comic book? Actually, I came up with Chess Masters several years ago. As I said, I was writing another book. They're kind of like short stories. Um, Basically, I was writing an African-American soap opera called Serialthology. And serial comes from a, what I mean, what's a soap opera, a serial, or anthology, or a trilogy, so I call it serialthologies, and it basically breaks down to like 101 novels all together, and I wrote the first five, and then I took a break from it, and that's when I did, brought, you know, Chess Masters along, because I said, well, let me give this a shot, because I had this story for quite a while, and I just put it together and came up with the characters. The character, it was easy to name the main character because they're named after family members. Again, you know, the rest was history. It was just, number one, my number one favorite game is chess. I'm not good at it. I mean, the day I could beat my, my computer, then I know I'm good. <laughs> I play my computer, and it kicks my butt every time. But it makes you better each time, right? I, I think so, but <laughs> I still lose. I haven't won a game yet. The creative team that you're working with, um, and you're co-writing this with Bradley Golden. We co-wrote uh, issue one. Shortly after that, we had uh, decided to part company. He was, you know, he had several other books he was working on. So I pretty much knew the direction I wanted with Chess Masters. But I worked with two gentlemen, uh, I don't know if I'm pronouncing his last name right, Mr. Marcelo Salaza. He's an amazing artist, amazing illustrator and uh, anchor. And Mr. Geraldo Filho does the um, coloring. Oh, they do a very nice job, yes. Where did you, how did you meet up with them? Was that like, uh, through the Internet? Well, once I got on Facebook and I saw, I saw other people, you know, with their comic books out there, and Bradley and I hooked up. Bradley pretty much showed me a lot. I have to admit, he, he helped me out a lot because I didn't know when you write a comic book, I didn't know you write it as a script. You know, I was like, oh, okay, that's pretty cool. And I, I love to write, so it was a lot of fun doing that. And um, he introduced me to Marcelo. And um, Marcelo introduced me to Geraldo. Because I believe both of them 
are living in Brazil, but we work, we discover we work very well together. And so, you know, again, the, the rest is history and we're nearly finished with issue number four. We just have to do the letters. Issue number four is completed. And Marcelo, he's doing the pencils, the inks and the letters. Yes. He did the letters for issue one. And then we had a gentleman who, uh, I believe worked for Marvel and DC who did the, um, the lettering for issue two and three and his assistant helped to do issue number three, but he wasn't available for issue four, you know, a busy man. So Marcelo said, you know, well, I want to do the letterings also. So he'll be doing the lettering for issue four. And when do you think issue four will be out? I'm targeted for August. Because um, basically, I guess now the company I'm with, Insane Comics, which I definitely love that comics, Mr. Mr. Munch and Mr. Kelly Bender, and those guys have been so good to me, you know, very supportive. And I think what happens is now they're, you send the book in for them to print, but I think you have to do it like maybe two months in advance now. I think it's every other month they're doing it. So we should submit the book, I guess, end of May. Uh, definitely by June, so they'll be out most likely in August, and then June or late May we'll start working on issue five because issue five is, if you notice the game of chess, they also have besides the king, queen, bishop, knight, and rook, they also have the eight pawns. Well, I call them the eight royal pawns, and um, what happened was the pawn master infused superpowers onto them. And it turned them to, if I can borrow this, uh, the dark side, so to speak. They become villains. And the eight pawns are basically a group of different nationality of, of villains. Uh, one is Canadian, one is African, British, Hawaiian, Native American, Japanese, Russian, and German. So the eight pawns we're going to introduce beginning with issue five. Call it the eight-part series, Dawn of the Royal Pawns. And we introduced the first of the royal pawns, a guy by the name of Crazane, because he's crazy and insane. Or sometimes he's known as the lunatic genius. Kind of like the Joker with a PhD. So you're planning on your ultimate goal is an eight-issue arc. To introduce, yes, sir, to introduce the eight pawns, the eight royal pawns. Oh, so that's beyond the four issues that'll come out. Oh, yeah. Oh, so then you have the, okay, I see. All right. I believe it or not, <laughs> when I first created Chess Masters, I had the first, you know, well, God willing, we'll keep going. But I have the very first 30 issues already mapped out. So I have like an encyclopedia that I can go back and check things. But the first 30 issues are pretty much mapped out. And how's their pacing with their artwork? Um, I mean, are they are they fairly quick? I think that most artists, it takes about four weeks to six weeks to do an issue. Actually, it doesn't take them that long. Hmm. Um, you know, I, I you know I have to remember they also work for other people too, but they're pretty quick about it. They're not that bad with me with that. You know, they're sometimes I could be a little impatient, but they actually do a very good job. It doesn't take them very long at all. And again, these gentlemen are, are, are really good. There's a lot of books out there now and a lot of people trying to get into the market. And not of it, a lot of it comes out looking too good, which is a shame because sometimes the story is really good, but the art's not quite up to snuff. But in this case, you made a good choice. It looks, it looks really good. Um, Thank you. I appreciate that. These heroes come from a near utopian 25th century. So we're not looking at a dystopian story. We're looking at, maybe they come from utopia. But this pawn master pulls them back into the 21st century. Tell me a bit about each of the members of Chess Masters. The Chess Masters from the, as I said, the 25th century. From the, They were formed July 21st, 2460, and disappeared eight months later on the evening that the king and queen were married. This is all kind of a backstory, which was March 16, 2461, where the pawn master sends them all back in time. What happens is, basically the king is kind of like, I guess you could say he's a cross between a Captain America or Professor X type. He's a scientist. He's a physicist. Um, he enjoys his science work, but he is the leader of the team, and they do have a uh, they call it the royal decrees, and one of them is thou shalt not kill. So they don't go into that killing because, see, the 25th century, 
is basically, as I said, a, a near utopian society. There's no more hatred, wars, no uh, racial problems, no hunger. The only negative was the supervillains running around. And what happens is, before that story actually takes place, Chess Masters is only just a handful of heroes that finally defeats all the supervillains. The supervillains are finally done with. So, of course, you can't do a story with no supervillains. So that's the part of the reason why I sent them back in time. The queen is the most powerful member of the team, just like the queen piece in the game of chess. The queen is the most powerful piece. She has the power known as the cosmolaxy, uh, the cosmos or the galaxy, or basically the universe. And she's only touched like maybe 10% of her powers. Um, the bishop is an interesting character. He's very mysterious. As you read issue two, you probably saw that because they didn't even know he was married. And he's basically immortal. He's been around since nearly the beginning of time. In issue five, I think, I introduced his wife. She's known as Cleopatra. She's also immortal, as well as the bishop arch nemesis, Sinevel. Um The knight is basically the 25th century version of a uh, the dashing knight. He has a sword called the Soul Sword, S-O-U-L, Souls of Unknown Legends, which means that the people who wielded, the men and women throughout history who wielded the Soul Sword, at one time it was known as Excalibur, the sword had evolved over time. The knight is from the 25th century, of course, so he's still, he's part of that whole knighthood. As a matter of fact, it's later discovered that whenever any heroes who wielded the knight throughout time who wielded the sword, whenever they passed away, what made them heroes, they reside within the sword to live out their life forever, you know, and going on adventures. He could also call upon, I believe it was the issue too, his uh, winged horse, Warrior. He could call upon a warrior and ride him. No one can even touch the sword except the queen and the bishop, and children can hold it. A lot of people sometimes ask me, well, how come children can hold it? And I explained to them because all children are pure in heart. And then we have the uh, the rook. The rook is the strong man of the team. Um, he's a lot faster and agile than he looks. Um, it will be discovered later on. I could tell you this much that he doesn't have, you know, well, you know, he has bones and stuff. But his you come to find out that his skull and his uh, skeletal frame has been transferred to diamonds. So. He's like a walking diamond, basically, but he's extremely powerful. The pawn master is just someone who's very intelligent, who just wants to take over the world, and he's just he's just ar their arch enemy. Now, the arch nemesis for the bishop is a character called Sinevel, based on his name, Sin and Evil, Sinevel. Sinevel has the ability to become anything or anyone, signifying that sin and evil are everywhere. So that's what he's about. Now, how can folks get the book? How can they get issues one and two and three, which are now available? Comixology should have them. I know they, they did accept issue three, so it should be on there. But you can also go to um, Insane Comics, Insane Comics uh, store, and you go on that site, and they have it there. You know, your com local comic book store may have a portal to Comicology, so make sure you throw them su support by going through oh, yes. the portal for the local LC, you know, your LCS for comicology. Are there any comics that you're reading right now that you have time to read with your busy schedule? Um, actually, I haven't read comics in a long time, and I'm going to explain to you why. Because, as I told you, I grew up as an Avengers fan. I had the entire Avengers collection from issue number one, 1963, including issue number four when they brought in Captain America. I had every book that the Avengers appeared in, like Fantastic Four number 25, I believe, when they were fighting the Hulk. Yes. Mm -hmm. Their first appearance in X-Men, X-Men number 9, I believe that was. Yes, mm -hmm. that's right. And, and, and like a dummy, end up selling them. Shortly after, my father passed away like 11 days after 9-11, and I just wasn't in the right frame of mind, I guess. Because my dad was a professional artist. Me, I could just barely draw a stick figure. I, I just wasn't in the right frame of mind, and I said, well, you know, I, I just 
don't I just can't look at these books anymore. I don't know. It's weird, but my women, my aunt, may she rest in peace, kept saying, "Are you sure you want to do that? You should hold on to them." And I ended up selling them, and I regretted it since. I really haven't. Occasionally, I'll go like to the Marvel site and see what's up and see who's the new Avenger or whatever. Yeah, I mean, there's some pretty cool Marvel stuff out there uh, with the Avengers. I, I do like um, Mark Wade's take on the Avengers. Oh yeah, he has a, a very good oh, knowledge yeah. of uh, Marvel DC history, and uh, the the current series uh, Avengers that he's writing. There's been so many volumes now, I lose track of what's what. But uh, with him on the book, actually, I started buying it again, and I'm really enjoying that. Uh, and uh, because they're they're fighting Kang the Conqueror. Oh yeah, he's a great villain. <laughs> right. Very tough. Yeah. Um, I, I like I I used to like it when um, was the gentleman named Crate Busick. I'm not sure if I got his last name right. And uh, George Perez. Yes, Busick. Busick, right? Yes. I, I used to like when um, when uh, when they were doing the book, him and Mr. George Perez. Well, one of the first stories, and I've told the story before to other people, but the first book that was ever read to me before I could even read, my my mom was reading me comics. And they were handed down from a relative, and I just got the books. And they had different covers on them even. They weren't even like the right covers. They were just really heavily used. But the one that I, I first remember reading was uh, a Tales of uh, Marvel Tales story, actually. I think it was 28. Oh, okay. And there's a story in there, and it's an Avengers story, but it was in Journey into Mystery with Thor. And it was Thor right. telling the story, the backstory, or the separate side story of him and the Hulk fighting when the Avengers fought the Hulk and the Submariner in issue number three. Right. That was the first, that's the first story I remember ever being read was that story. Oh, okay. So that made its mark. <laughs> um, oh, okay. And, and one of the, and I think one of the books I had, I think it was that one. It had a different cover on it. It was like the fantastic four cover with this lagoon monster on it, this green lagoon monster. So, mm. uh, but it was, it was fun. And, uh, and that does always stuck with me. And, uh, yeah, Busick did a great job. And I, when I started buying books myself, I picked up Avengers around 141 when George Perez was on the book. I think he was just getting started, right. actually. And that was a really good run. So that's when they brought back, um, well, they had the Squadron Sinister, and they had uh, Wonder Man come back. They had Wonder Man, yeah, Simon Williams. They introduced also Hellcat. Yeah, that's probably my favorite run. And Ant-Man, when Ant-Man goes berserk. And has to fight all the Avengers right. 161. That's when I learned that Ant-Man, you know, I didn't know, you know, even as Ant, he has the strength of a grown man because he flipped Wonder Man. And I'm like, yeah. wow. <laughs> That's like one of my favorite covers where he's he's growing and he's punching at the same time as he's coming up. Right. He's got the other Avengers around him and he got these ants. It's it's a really good story. I think just about everybody has. I don't, I don't want to assume, but have you seen the Avengers movies, the Marvel movies that have been out? I just wanted to know what your thoughts were of those. I haven't seen, I guess, the the last one with the, um, which one you had to choose sides, whatever. Oh, Civil War. Right, I haven't seen that, but I have seen the Avengers, but the only thing I didn't like was him killing off Quicksilver. I was hoping he was going to stick around longer. I was really surprised that... Uh... I should have said spoilers, folks, but I think most fans who are listening to this probably know that already. Yeah, that's one of those weird things where Fox has the rights to the character, so they can use him in the X-Men films that Fox makes, but Marvel Studios also has the rights to Quicksilver because he's an Avenger. Fox has it because he was an X-Men, so he's kind of in both universes right now. But uh, yeah, that right. I don't know. Maybe something will happen in the future? They can bring him back? I don't know. Well, in the Marvel Universe, you could already, they could already bring him back. Oh, sure. You know, I mean, because I, I was hoping... That would Quicksilver, they also had a sister, the Scarlet Witch, of course, and I was hoping they would do a little takeoff, or they used to call them Cap's Kooky Quartet, when it was just Captain America, Hawkeye, the Scarlet Witch, and Quicksilver. And I was hoping they'd do a little uh, adventure with just the four of them, you know, a brief adventure in that movie. That would have been pretty cool. That would have been cool. Oh, one thing I wanted to let you know about, since you may not have seen this, is we mentioned Mark Wade writes The Avengers. He did a, a mini-series of The Avengers that dealt with Cap's Kooky Quartet, and uh, it, it's kind of like the in-between story of the initial Avengers leaving and Cap taking over, and he does like this five-issue mini-series. The whole thing is written, including the letter pages, like in a Silver Age comic book. I thought you might want to know about that, because since you like The Avengers and you like, uh, well, you started with the Silver Age books, Barry Kitson did the artwork. Mark Wade did the scripting. And it was a miniseries, and it just ended like a month or two ago. So there's probably some out there, and I'm sure it'll be out in trade. But if you like that 
um, old school, Marvel style. Mark Wade, he is like a master at that, and it's just a lot of fun. And it's it's not set in the '60s, but it's not set in the present. And everyone still wears the '60s outfits as the superheroes, so I think you'll really like it. It's pretty cool. Oh, okay, great. Just a little recommendation amongst us Avengers fans. I appreciate that. Uh, can I touch on one quick thing? Sure, absolutely. About the Pawn Master, I forgot to mention. Um, basically, he's as I told you about the eight royal pawns and how they have their own powers. And basically, the Pawn Master has the combined superpowers of the eight pawns. Because that's why he's known as the Pawn Master. And the reason why I did that is because you got to remember, it's like it's kind of like the Avengers going up against Kang. You know how powerful Kang is. So, I mean, he's one man going up against a whole team of heroes. Well, the Pawn Master has eight different superpowers. He's just one man going up against five individuals with incredible powers. So you want to put more weight on that one person. And that's why he's he's still in the process of you know, of learning his powers, but he does have uh, eight different superpowers, the combined powers of all eight of the pawns. Thanks for bringing that up. That is one really uh, cool and unique thing about that particular villain. Some of your other interests outside of comic books, I wanted to just talk about that for a bit because I like music, and uh, you are a fan, a big fan of the Temptations, the greatest singing group in the universe and beyond. Got all the albums. Yeah, oh, oh, really? Have you ever had a chance to see them perform? <laughs> see them perform? Not only that, but uh, the last original member, Mr. Otis Williams, the founder of the group, Yes, I have a few of his autographs. Really? He came out with a, the first Temptation book came out in 1988. So, of course, I, I flew down the highway and bought that bad boy, it's, um, the first book. And um, in 2002... They did a revised book where they just added an extra chapter. The, the original book was only nine chapters, I believe. So the updated book was just an extra chapter, just giving an update on what the group's been up to. So what happened was uh, one of my best friends and another friend of ours went to see them in Red Bank. There's a theater called Count Basie Theater. We went there in two, 2004, April 16th. I remember that day because... They had mentioned that, well, the Temps weren't really, usually they're very good about signing autographs, but they was like, well, they are, you know, they have, usually they rush to go to the, act, the next show. But so they had announced before the show that they weren't really doing, you know, autographs. But if you wanted an autograph, you had to buy the updated book from 2002. So I went and I actually bought it. So I happened to, I had my 1988 copy, and my best friend was like, let's go shake hands with um, Otis. So I had the book with him. And I said, well, I'll take a chance. All he could do is said, I can't sign it. And I presented it to him, and he was so gracious about it. He signed it right there on the stage, and that was the only autograph he gave that night. Oh, wow. That was the only autograph. Matter of fact, there was, I didn't see this, but my friend said there was a lady who wanted her, him to sign the, uh, the ticket stub he, that he had, but she said, I'm sorry, I can't sign that. But he did sign the book, and he also signed... I believe it was in July of 1961 when the Timps had their very first record they ever recorded called Oh Mother of Mine. The Temptations fan who saw the movie that came out in 1998, the Temptations, when they had first went to Motown Records and they had to audition for Barry Gordy, they sang the song called Oh Mother of Mine. That's actually the Temptations' very first record they ever recorded as the Temptations. Well, he autographed that one i went to see them and he you know there was a lady who said well if you come out early when they come out they'll sign your, your record he came out and he signed an autograph he autographed the very first record not only that but he autographed there was a second um single he autographed for me this single came out in 1962 not too many people know about this they, i mean they probably do now because of the book but they were just before it hit record of course, the Daisy early hits are a classic now, but they were desperate for a hit record, and they put out a single, one as The Temptations and one as The Pirates. And whichever songs went did well, that was the name they was going to go by. And Otis Williams says in the book, it was the first time they prayed for a flop because they really didn't want to come out on stage you know, as The Pirates. Well, he autographed that one for me. And it's, he's, as he puts his considered a very rare collector's item. 
So I used to go to New York. I would leave from Jersey, go to New York, get the train to the village, and I would go to a record shop called House of Oldie. And um, I went there and I asked the guy, do you have a 45 single by The Temptation called Oh Mother and Mighty? Goes in the basement, comes back up, and he has a record play, plays it on him. And, of course, I knew it was The Temptations. And um, he sold it to me like for like $2.50. <laughs> and then I went back a few months later when I learned about the pirates who were actually The Temptations. Went to the same guy. He did the same routine. And after he played the song, of course, is you know, The Temptations, and the guy said, well, I've never heard of that group. And I said, well, you know I'm as The Temptations, but they're on this single. They're known as The Pirates. And he looked at me, and he was like, man, don't you ever come in the store again. <laughs> oh, mother, oh, mother, I- So, yeah, I was blessed to get, you know, several autographs, including their very first record and After Pirates. Holy cow. I can't imagine meeting uh, an idol of mine and having them sign an autograph. I've never had, I've never met anybody in the music business in person that I was a fan of. So that's that's pretty amazing. It It is an experience because I remember when I was standing in line, there was some, you know, young women that was in front of me. And all of a sudden, some of them got out of line. I guess they were like, nervous or something i'm thinking to myself what a bunch of whips and i get to mr otis whim and all of a sudden i find myself shaking like a little schoolgirl. and i'm like uh mr william would you uh uh my sign <laughs> he was so cool about it you know but yeah meeting them and shaking hands with them and definitely getting the autograph is it's really a, a pleasant uh experience they're they're very gracious Wow. And they're an amazing group. I mean, uh, I don't know how many people realize just such the influence they've had on other bands, too. I mean, just take like the Rolling Stones. I was just looking through, you know, some of the Temptation songs, and I'm familiar with a lot of them. And I was like, look at this. I mean, I'm losing you. Just my imagination. The Stones like covered all those songs, too, because they're big and their background's blues, you know. So that's amazing that, right. that that one band, they just picked that many songs to do a cover of. What are some of your favorite Temptation songs? Oh my goodness, I don't, I don't have, I, you know, well, I mean, the classic, I guess you would call it the Temptations national anthem would be "My Girl." They, they, you know, that's the song that everybody wants to hear, especially, you know, especially the women. You take a girlfriend to the, to see the Temptation, they sing "My Girl." It's a rap. So, I mean, they have so many great songs, you know. Yeah, it's quite a catalog. I mean, I like all kinds of music, and Motown, it's always room for that in my heart to listen to that. Um, I've, I've never had an opportunity to see many Motown bands, famous Motown bands. I've only had one chance to see a band like that, and it's just because of where I was. When I was in college, I was going to St. Joe's up in Philadelphia, and it was 1986. So, okay, you know how old I am now. And uh, the the four tops were playing in the field house, and so I had a chance to see the four tops. Another great group. And I was really close to the front too, so I could see. I mean, because you're in the the gym, <laughs> and they were just so excited to be on a college campus. I mean, they were just like, just as excited and just as pumped as had it been in an arena. It didn't matter. They were just thrilled right. to perform. And I imagine you probably had the same experience with the Temptations, just because I've seen them on television. And just how they put their whole heart and soul into their performance. They're just there's just a joy that comes out when they perform. Yes, sir. Yep. And the thing is, when you when you first see them, it, they just seem you know surreal. Like this is really. I mean, I'm like this is really the Temptations, because you seem so busy seeing them on albums and on television. As a matter of fact, the first time I saw them was back in 1984, and how this came out was on my old job. I had a coworker. 
And I, you know, anybody who knows me knows I love the Temptations. So I used to talk about them all the time. So there's one cat. He said, "You and your Temptations," but he did. He used to love the song "The Way You Do the Things You Do." And what happened was, he called me up one day. He said, "Turn to this radio station." So I'm thinking he wants me to hear a Temptations song. Well, they played "The Way You Do the Things You Do," and the guy had asked the DJ, "Say if you could tell me the name of that group." And this person calls in and said, "My name is Gary McClendon," but it was actually my friend. <laughs> and he said, "Do you know the name of the song?" He was like, "The Way You Do the Things You Do." And he had won me two tickets to go see The Temptation. It was a floor show. So you were right there. But he had won me two tickets. He wasn't able to go, but he had won me these two tickets all because he knew that particular song. Well, hey, thanks for sharing your story and experience with The uh, Temptations. That's really cool stuff to hear about. I always enjoy talking to my guests about other things that they love and are passionate about outside of comics. And uh, I know that you're um, a man of faith. And um, if you don't mind talking about that, because the show's name is Creator Talks. And I think some people followed me at first because they thought I was talking about the creator. <laughs> and I was, be- I was being a little more local with that, you know, a little more down to earth. But um, right. that's fine. I mean... You are a man of faith, and um, tell me a bit about that. If you like to share your, your joy. Well, like I said, the Lord, the Lord God blessed me with creating Chess Masters. That, this was his idea. Now, I believe it or not, I, I meet so many people online that just don't believe, but that's, that's their right. I can't force them. I can only tell them what I've witnessed, what I've gone through. Um, one of the stories I like telling them because of my belief in the Lord is, um, the night before I had set my alarm clock, you know, to get me up to go to work. And that morning I woke up and I'm like, what the heck? And I had a feeling something woke me up. And there at the foot of my bed was my grandfather. Now I'm looking at him and I'm like, granddad. And when I looked at him, he's like a man. He looked like a man of 21. And yet he had one of those, I don't know if you watch the biblical movies, where they're wearing the robe, and he had like this gold braid leaf around his neckline, and he had this aura around his body, and he never spoke to me with his mouth. I was like, I could hear his thoughts, and he was like saying, I'm all right where I'm going. And my grandfather always was walking, you know, always had a smile on his face, and he spread his arms slowly out and <laughs> didn't walk backwards, but floated backwards and upward. And I sat at the side, the side of the bed. I'm like, wait a minute, what in the world did I just see? And the phone rang, and my mother said, your grandfather just passed away. One of the stories I love telling, I was telling my deacon about this, is one night I used to always hit the clubs. And this one particular club was out in Point Pleasant. So it was a little further out than I normally would go. And it was raining. Now, what I'm about to tell you is the, the Lord's truth. I, I make no, I, I don't kid around about stuff like this. I had one of those old um, Renault Alliance, a small French car. And it was raining, and I had just came out of a jug handle, and I was going straight. All of a sudden, I must have hit some oil or something because the car spun around and spun around and spun around. And by the time it came, by the time I was able to stop the cars, I'm seeing traffic come towards me. Now, when I'm seeing traffic comes, you know they say your life flashed before your eyes, which is what happened. And I'm saying to myself, oh, my God. No sooner did I... Had the name God come out of my mouth. <laughs> All of a sudden, on the right side, because it was like bucket seat. On the right side of me, on the passenger seat, there was like a, like a the light. The car only that part of the car lit up. There was this bright light, and all I remember is 
I could only see the person's leg and knee. They were in, again, looked like they were wearing a, a robe. It looked like they had an aura around it, but I couldn't turn to see who was there on my right. I, mean, I kept trying to turn, but something was blocking me. So I turned back around, and I see the cars, but the cars coming towards me now was like they were moving in slow motion. So all of a sudden, I hear this booming but calming voice that said, don't panic. Put the car in reverse and back it up to the abandoned gas station on your left. So I put the car in reverse. I'm backing it up, and sure enough, there's a ga- an empty gas station, abandoned gas station on my left. I backed the car up. I put it in the drive, and that's when the light dimmed, and I looked to my right, but though nobody was there. And sure enough, these cars pulled in behind me. And I remember the one guy pulled up, and he rolled his window out. He's like, sir, are you all right? He said, the, the way you move that car so fast, I'm like, fast? I said, I'm thinking to myself, things were moving in slow motion. I told him I was all right. But I was so shook up about that. That was like a heck going to a club. I drove all the way back home. Matter of fact, I drove on the shoulder with the uh, the flashers blinking. That's how shook up I was. I went back home, thanked the Lord, and went right to bed. Mm. Wow, that's a life-changing experience. I've already had a belief in the Lord. My grandfather affirmed that to me when I saw him. I knew he was gone before I got the news. But the, the whole experience in the car thing was it, was, it was definitely, you know, amazing experience. I mean, last month I just turned... I'm not vain about my age. I just turned 56. When I look back on my life and realize the Lord has been with me and good to me all my life, even when I was younger, going through this or doing, you know, never, never got in trouble, nothing like that. But when I look back on my life now, it's like, wow, you can look back and reflect that the Lord has been with me all the time. Because, again, I've, I've seen some stuff, you know, so I don't really like to tell people about things I've seen and, because, you know, you, you, sometimes people look at you like, well, okay, I think you're a little off here. But, you know, I usually don't go into that. But my, my deacon did say, tell me that when I told him the story about my being in a car and about my grandfather, he said that some people are born with, they call it the veil over their eyes, where they can see, experience things. You can't really see the Lord, you know, with your own eyes until after you leave this world. But I've seen stuff. I know the Lord is real, so I don't I don't really have a fear of passing away because I know that there is something beyond what we understand as life. But in those immortal worlds, I, I've seen some things, man. <laughs> yeah, no, I've I've heard stories like that. I mean, it's it's happened to people, and it's it's a few. I mean, it's not you know an everyday experience; it's a unique experience, and it it all has to do with like what they're able to see and and. The way they see the world, and um, and uh, if that veil has been lifted from their eyes, because a lot of times uh, the world can just crowd out the things that are the most important, and we just tend to go along with our daily lives, going through the motions, and we don't really focus on what's important. I do have a belief in the Lord. As a matter of fact, when when uh, He blessed me with creating chess masters, the day I sent it off to have it um, patent or registered, it was registered on my great niece's uh, birthday. July 21st, 2014, right on her birthday. I mean, it could have been registered the day before, the day after. So I look at it as a blessing. Thanks for sharing that with us. That's um, that's It's nice to know a little more about you and your faith and how it's Thank influenced, you. you know, where you've gotten to today and where you're going. I mean, how you've stayed on the straight and narrow path and have been uh, so far successful with your book and your life. Thank you. But, you know, I, I want to, you know, I had said earlier that I wanted to thank the creative team, Mr. Salaza, Mr. Philho, who's the artist and colorist, respectfully. Um, uh, Mr. James C. Munch, definitely, he's he's a good man. Um, I am so honored and blessed that he has taken me into his insane family, so to speak, insane comics family. Um, people like Mr. Kelly Bender, there are so many who were, who are so good to me. But I think I want to thank the fans also for, you know, um, checking out what we do. You know, every time I see a convention and now when I see a fan hold a Chess Masters comics, like for instance, a couple of people have actually had all three issues. And it's like, wow, this is, it makes it so worth it. You know, it's like, I, I really appreciate the fans and I just want to say to the fans out there, 
Thank you for your support of Chess Masters, and thank you for your support of Insane Comics, because it means a lot to me. I just have a few more questions for you, one I ask all my guests. What do you like to do for rest and relaxation? Actually, well, basically retired, so I don't really, you know, I try to get in some exercise whenever I can. Um, I don't really do that much. Um, just tell me I just go for walks. You know, just stuff like that. But um, <laughs> stories are always in my head. I forget the name of the um, the gentleman who used to do the sculpturing and said that, well, the sculpture, I guess it was David, was always there. All I had to do is chip away. Hmm. Whereas like a Michael Jackson used to say, he's got all these songs and music in his head. All he had to do was sit down and put them out. Well, that's how, I mean, of course, I'm not comparing myself to the gentleman, but I, I just always had these stories, so that's how I get my you know relaxation by doing these stories. Because when I write, it's not I don't look at it as a chore. When I used, when I was writing the soap opera series I was telling you about, I used to get up three o'clock, four o'clock in the morning to start typing away. It wasn't it wasn't a chore for me. When I when I write chess masters, I'm like, when I do the editing, and I know I got it just right, I'm like a child on Christmas morning. Um, I'm like a child on Christmas morning when Marcelo sends me the black and white pages. The black and white pages are awesome. And then when Harala puts the coloring to it, and then you see the lettering. I'm like a child every single morning. So basically, I just get my relaxation. I don't do anything special. Uh, I'm just always thinking about stories, writing. Yeah, hey, that's cool. I mean, you know, it, and when you're resting and relaxing, that's when the ideas start to bubble to the surface and you have a chance to, to think about them, work on them, and... Yeah, you know, like you said, it's not work. That that's perfect. That's the perfect life. <laughs> oh yeah, I enjoy. It. I love it. I love. I love the whole creative process of it, especially when you get that comic book sent to you, and you hold it in your hand for the first time. And sometimes, not trying to sound funny about it, but I'll look at the book and I was like, "Dog, I created this." You know, it's like surreal. So I mean, again, I'm like a child on Christmas morning when I hold a book in my hand for the first time and it makes it all worthwhile but again you know I'm, I'm glad that there are fans that enjoy the book I hope they continue to enjoy the book and support all of us so I mean I'm doing it for you know for the fans that enjoy the series now my next question you're on a desert island you have one book what book's in your hand well of course it would have to be chess masters but if you talk about any other comic book I would probably refer to, as I said, Avengers. What is your beverage of choice? Now, it doesn't have to be spirits, whatever you like to drink when you're relaxing. Well, back in the day, I mean, you know, my friends and I would get our drink on. I mean, I would just, I don't really mess with alcohol anymore. I pretty much stopped that. But back in the day, my drink was uh, Dewar Scotch. I was a Scotch man. And there were times where, I mean, on my old job, there was these, these older gentlemen that lived in the building, but these guys used to hook me up with cigars, and I mean Cuban cigars. <laughs> um, so I used to sit on my front porch sipping on my scotch and drinking my cigars, but, you know, you, you know, you get a little older and realize, well, you can't really mess around like that no more. And uh, I do have a bit of a, you know, a heart condition, so of course I can't do that. But for the most part, I just watch what I eat or, I, you know, anything diet, you know, because I am a diabetic too, but, you know, anything diet, you know, just whatever, you know, gets me relaxed. But as far as, like, you know, spirits, no, I don't really, you know, maybe once in a very blue moon, if I'm having a steak dinner, I might have a glass of wine, which they said is supposed to be good for your heart, so I don't know. That's right. That's that's what I hear, and I'm, I'm sticking to that. <laughs> I like a nice glass <laughs> yeah, I, of wine. I, so, so that's about the only one I would do, only when I'm having, like, my, I love, you know, wine with my steak. You know, and, and James C. Munch keep putting these pictures on Facebook about, you know, when he cooks his dinner, he be making me so hungry. <laughs> I'm still waiting for him to send me some food. <laughs> all right. Well, that's great, Gary. And uh, good stuff. All good stuff. Good conversation and a great book. That's Chess Masters with a hyphen. You can get that through the Insane Comics website for your physical copy. If you want digital, Comicology. And go through your local comic shop's portal, too. Give them some support as well. But definitely, folks, give this book a chance. I've read the first two issues, and I was pleasantly surprised. Uh, good stuff. And this man, he's got the right background. You know, Avengers Marvel, hey, come on, you know, 
you know what you're in for. Good stuff. Gary, thank you so much. It's been a pleasure having you on the show. Mr. Callaway, I, I appreciate the call, and I appreciate the time, and I thank you so much, sir, and I hope you will continue to be blessed, my friend. Well, all right, that wraps up my conversation with Gary L. McClendon, the creator of Chess Masters and the author of Chess Masters. Again, you can get that through Insane Comics. You can go to their website to buy the physical copy of the book, and it's also available on Comicology. and I encourage you, please see if your local comic book shop has a portal to the Comicology shop and purchase the comic through their portal. That way you're also supporting the local comic shop as well. And uh, when you're at a con, look around. There may be an Insane Comics booth there. I know there was one at the Greater Philadelphia Con, and I did visit them while I was there. And so, coming up in May and in June, we're going to be speaking to other Insane Comics creators about their specific creations and their comic books that they're working on. So I will be interviewing their creators around the world. And if you want to learn more about Insane Comics, you can go to the website, InsaneComics.com, and they're also on Facebook, InsaneComics.com. Now, if you want to get in touch with me, you can go through my website, creatortalks.com. There you can send me an email. You can also reach me through Facebook and Twitter, at creatortalkspod. That's at creatortalkspod. And hey, you can download the episodes and subscribe through iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and SoundCloud. And best of all, the episodes are free. The only thing you have to do is just subscribe to make sure you don't miss a single one because I have a lot of great creators coming up and the way things are going so far, I'll probably have two episodes per week. Now, Thursday is normally when I post an episode, but if things keep going the way they are, I'll probably have one on Monday as well. So there'll be two episodes per week. So I am really looking forward to that. And I know you have a lot of podcasts to choose from and a lot of entertainment to choose from. So I thank you for choosing this one for Creator Talks. I'm Christopher Calloway. Until next time.